You know, it's weird. I have a friend, I was young when he told me this. It's just a quote that always stuck with me. But he said, whenever someone says no to you, you know, you feel like they're throwing a brick in your face. He's like, yeah, it's exactly that. He's like, we're taking the brick and you're using it a foundation to build a house. And he's like, at the end of the day, you're going to have a house. So it's, wow. yeah, if you're putting out all positive stuff in the world, you know, it, a brick might hurt when it hits you in the face, but it actually has a lot of value. It's something you build with. So that's kind of how I always saw it. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou. And boy, do we have an exciting, incredible guest lined up for you today. This gentleman caught my attention when Gillette released that infamous ad of theirs that's been so controversial and that has had a lot of men, myself included, feel that they are basically not loving their customers who happen to be men anymore. And this gentleman released an ad in response to it. This ad was so powerful, it went viral. It's had millions of viewers. And it it basically had me become interested in this gentleman and his company, which is called Egard Watches. And I bought one of his watches. It's a fabulous, gorgeous watch. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the one, the only, the legendary Elan Srulovich. Welcome to the show, Elan. Thank you for having me. <laughs> That's a hell of an opening. <laughs> <laughs> We're known for that here on the show, my brother. So, Elon, our listener is an entrepreneur. They're a small business owner. You know, they listen to the show because they're somebody who wants to learn from you, our guest, how they can take their business and their life to the next level. There's somebody who cares about their fellow man and woman. They want to make a difference in the world, but they also want to make a lot of money. And the first thing they want to know is, who are you? What's your backstory? So, brother, tell us your backstory. We're dying to know. Well, um, my background is with the company is that I uh, started the brand about seven, eight years ago. I made a gift I was looking actually to buy a watch for my father. I had a big background in design, rapid prototyping. I had done contracts for some of the biggest studios in the world in pre-visualization. And I wanted to buy my, my dad a watch for his birthday. And I couldn't find an affordable watch that had a very unique look that had, you know, uh, depth to it, that had a lot of architectural elements to the dial. So there were things I was looking for that I just couldn't find. Every watch I liked was super expensive. So I said, you know what, I'm going to... Like set out to make a watch, make it a personal project, spend the year making it, and then this next birthday. So I did that. I started uh, rapid prototyping cases, unique case designs. I started uh, using the the tools in in the office where I was working to concept out different pieces. I, I sourced movements from a company called Miota, which is a movement company for the first watch. And little by little, I created a watch. And, you know, it was very different looking, I guess, just because of my background. I didn't come at it from a traditional standpoint. I came at it from more of an artistic or, I guess, passion standpoint of just wanting to make something for my dad that kind of fit my needs. And there were, were other people out there who uh, it resonated with. And then they, they started asking if they could buy it. I started making them in batches. And uh, it kind of went off from there. I, I'm lucky a little bit in that aspect that I also have a background in acting. I've had a relatively successful acting career. So I knew actors and they were willing to wear the watches and help promote the watches. and then. William Shatner ended up seeing the watch in some kind of exchange with one of my friends and uh, asked, he loved the, the brand story, the fact that I made it as a gift for my father and that it took off and it kind of had this organic element to it. And he, you know, as he gets older, wanted something for his family. So we ended up designing a watch together and uh, it sparked the idea that we could do these collaborative pieces and tribute pieces. So the brand went even further in that direction. Uh, and we've continued to do that. In a nutshell, that's the story of the brand. Captain me, Kirk, do- you got Captain Kirk to collaborate yeah, with yeah. you to create a watch. How cool is that? Yeah, at a time where we had nothing, at a time where we where I was just starting the company also, I got him uh, on board pretty early on, uh, maybe two years in. 
Incredible. So I have a bit of a, so I'm sniffling a little bit, but. Well, kudos just, for you just, for being on on the show, uh, having a having a bit of a cold. But how the heck did you get Captain Kirk to say, "Wow, I want to collaborate with this guy"? Well, I think what people never see in business is the one thousand no's you get; they just see the one yes. You know what I mean? So it's not that I wasn't trying every other way I could to find people to work with, to collaborate with, to do things with. It's just that he, for whatever reason, the story of how I made the pieces of tribute for my father, the unique designs, it just resonated with him. And I think that he was looking to do something like that at the time to, to create a piece. So when we collaborated, it was an actual partnership. We didn't, we didn't pay him anything up front or anything like that. We, we put him as a partner on a specific line, which was very cool of him at the time. Amazing. Yeah, it was in line with what he was looking to do at the time. I think there's always someone out there who's in line with what you're looking to do if you just look hard enough and you kind of put it out there enough. That's very powerful, Um, you know? That's a very powerful point. Not a lot of people understand that. It's worth repeating and getting into with some more depth. Please explain that more. Well, you know, it's weird. I have a friend, I was young when he told me this. It's just a quote that always stuck with me, but he said, whenever... Someone says no to you. You know how you feel like they're throwing a brick in your face. He's like, yeah, it's exactly that. He's like, we're well, taking the brick and you're using it a foundation to build a house. And he's like, at the end of the day, you're going to have a house. So it's, wow. yeah, if you're putting out all this positive stuff in the world, you know, it, a brick might hurt when it hits you in the face, but it actually has a lot of value. It's something you build with. So that's kind of how I always saw it. That always stuck with me. So anytime I'm going out there and I'm asking someone to do something, it doesn't matter to me whether they say, no or yes. I just continued to ask. This is one of the main things with my company. People have always said, how do you get all these celebrities to wear your watches? I'm like, I literally send out, and I do it all myself. It's not like I hire someone. I send out thousands and thousands of emails. I do thousands and thousands of phone calls. I don't. The worst, if you're starting out at a baseline, a lot of people are scared to do this thing, but your baseline is, is a no. You're actually starting from a position of not having the thing you want. You're already at a no. You can only go upward. There's no backward not trying. You've already failed if you haven't tried. So in my in my perspective, sure, I, I don't mind getting a thousand no's. It actually puts me no worse off than where I am today. In fact, no matter what, by definition, these people now know about me at least. So it's a thousand more people who know about me who down the road may be interested. I mean, there's a way to do it. You don't want to be a rude person and burn bridges and things like that. But uh, I don't understand the notion of not trying repeatedly over and over and over. If you really care about something, you're really passionate about something, it's not going to happen in the first try. I mean, it might, but statistically speaking, it's not. So, You know what? That's very true. And it's a very powerful point that you just made. Each, I, I love the analogy of the brick. Each no is like a brick that you can use to build the house of your success. I think that's brilliant. I think that's awesome and beautiful. And the other thing that I really liked that you just said was I really like the fact that you are out there every day looking at no, not having success as the baseline. And the only place you can go from there is up. It's the only place you can go. I believe that wholeheartedly. And the fact that you're willing to send out thousands of emails and and make thousands of phone calls and you're good with whatever the answer is because you know whatever the answer is, it's a brick that's building the house of Elon's success. Glorious. Yeah, that's that's exactly how I see it. I think one of the worst things that can happen to people is that they start feeling negatively about what they're doing. Because once you get to a place like that, it's very hard to fight your way out of it. And it happens to everyone. You know, you you have bad minds, you have bad... I, I'm a huge risk taker. Sometimes things don't go my way. And it, you, you think to yourself, oh man, why, why did I do that? Why would I, why would I waste money on this? Why would I take this chance? It wasn't well thought out. And people will look at you and be like, you, you know, even people you work with will sometimes be like, yeah, you, you got to learn. But at the same time, you kind of have to accept who you are and use those tools to make you a successful person or a motivated person. And I'm the type of person who is a risk taker. And those actual, those elements of me that have cost me have also the reason I'm able to succeed in different areas. I have to accept that part of myself. Now, it doesn't mean I don't try and improve and not take stupid risks. I don't believe I've ever taken a stupid risk, but by definition, a risk is risky and the payoff is very, very high. And so I, I think you have to understand the kind of person you are, work within the boundaries of the kind of person you are and limit any type of, negativity that can come from that, but also accept that you're the type of person who, for example, I have a friend who will not work. I can work a 100. I could just work 20 hours a day. I can. It's I'm that kind of person. 
I'm, I'm in there and I, and I always hear books and podcasts and, oh, well, you're, you know, you should never work this many hours or you should always be working this many hours or the person who wins is the person who wants it more and all these different guidelines that are like defining the entire population. But every single person is an individual and works differently. I think the, the best advice is work within the type of boundaries of the person you are. If you're the type of person who's going to be miserable, terribly miserable working 20 hours a day and not productive, that's not the right path for you. You have to find a way. And I have a friend like this. You have to find a way to work six hours a day and make yourself successful if that's where your your life is and how it's going to work. And you might not have $100 million at the end of the day, but you're going to be happy. Or you might have $100 million. I don't know. I can't define what that six hours gets you. There's not a direct correlation. All I know is that the person who works six hours a day, who's the type of person like me who wants to work a long day, is not happy when they're not working a long day, and vice versa, the person who's working a 20-hour day, and they're instinctively not capable of it. And I don't know if they're not capable, but don't want to. And they're just fighting, fighting, fighting based on this, this concept, then they're not going to be as productive either. They have to find a middle ground. Uh, it's a bit of a weird approach, but I've really seen it. I've seen people who just don't do well with certain guidelines and others who do fantastic with it. So that's where my head's at with all these things. So yeah, I know I'm a risk taker, except that I'm a risk taker and I go all in and I think that it works for me. You know, Elon, I really like the point that you just made. Everyone's different. We're all individuals. There are times where I, I work crazy, crazy hours. Like if I've got an event coming up or I'm in the middle of an event and I'm on stage for eight, 10 hours a day, I'm in it. I'm there early. I do work before the event. I do work after the event. I'm all in. But there are other times where I just work a few hours that day and I'm good with that. I'm good with what I need to do at the time that I need to do it. And that's just my style. And you know what? If, if someone else's style is to work less or work more, God bless them. Good for them. Really well said, man. Really well said. So you have this strategy that you've implemented, which is to be a, a smart risk taker. You go and you talk to a lot of people. You've managed to attract huge celebrity names like William Shatner, for crying out loud, William Shatner, one of the biggest names in TV history as Captain Kirk in the original Star Trek series, was excited about collaborating with you on a watch line that you did together. And you've managed to get other people to collaborate with you too. Your watches are gorgeous. I love the watch that I bought. It's got a beautiful silver strap and, a, and, and, and almost like a, uh, a navy blue, cobalt blue type of a face. You know, I, I like the name of the line, Gentleman Warfare. I think it's really, really cool. When I wear it, I wear it with one of my nice suits, you know, and I, and I look like a star. I absolutely love the watches. But the reason I was attracted to your brand, my friend, is because you took a bold stand that differentiated you from everybody else. And the stand you took was you, like me, saw that Gillette ad where basically they were admonishing men and you said, hey, wait a minute, this isn't the way. This isn't the right way to approach men. This isn't the right way to get men to be at their best. You put out your own video and this video was so powerful and it was so timely that you attracted millions upon millions of viewers. So tell me, how this all came about. Walk us through it because I think it was brilliant. And in my mind, it established you as a thought leader. It established you, even though you weren't in the same business as Gillette, you put out a position of yourself and your brand as somebody that acknowledges and respects men. So just walk me through all this, if you don't mind. I have a strong, I guess, personality or a strong belief system. And, you know, for a while now, it's not just Gillette. If you look at the general narrative toward men it's ridiculous you know, and, it's ridiculous and the yeah the progression of identity politics in general but you know i, I see it with my my own family and sometimes how people respond to my history my mother's from iraq she had to escape baghdad my dad is a hungarian jew and he, sadly he lost most of his family and somehow no it's okay uh it, but the, here's the point it's it's their history sure it's a part of me but it does not somehow place my opinion as more valuable or less valuable in society. It does not give me a right to put down someone else based on their, their race, ethnicity, or religion. In other words, that part of me does not define me as an entire person. I, I don't like identity politics. I, I don't think that 
personally, I, or at least where it's going. I think that the ultimate way to function in society is to treat people as an individual. And now due to the kind of oppression, oppressive scale, uh, oppressor, uh, oppress scale of identity politics, we see the notion that the idea that women are perpetual victims, which is not helping women, and that men are perpetual oppressors and aggressors, and that's not helping women or men either. No, it's not. And it's a very black and white narrative. And, you know, pe- people might not be as aware of it as as I am because, you know, I'll, my girlfriend's very into it. She's actually the one who kind of raised my attention to it. But if you actually just do a little bit of research and look at the articles that come out for men and the articles that come out for women and look at the difference in the messaging, all articles, look at university classes, gender study classes, what they're promoting now. Look at guys like uh, Matt Damon who go online and make a comment that, all he said was there's a difference because the Me Too movement was picking up. And at the time, I, I, look, I'm very, very pro the need for women, any victim, to be able to have a voice. I 100% think super- with you on that, 100%. And, but he came out and just said, Can we uh, please just acknowledge, because the, the Me Too movement started clumping women who were like smacked on the butt in clubs or whatever with actual rape victims. And so him... There's a big difference between those two uh, events. Big difference. That's all he said. He said, can we just acknowledge that there's a difference between being raped and someone showing you their genitals or someone smacking you... I think he said someone smacking you on the butt. And uh, he got ostracized by by Hollywood and by the public, um, or at least a vocal minority, and had to come out and apologize and say, as a man, I just shouldn't have an opinion on these things. Well, men are victims of these these things too. I mean... Number one, there's a lot of distorted studies. There's a lot of, uh, and so there's a lot of false narratives pushed. And it's not to say that women aren't victims. They have, many women are victims. Many men are victims. We have to start looking at victimhood if we are as in, as individual instances and not base them into these like groups of because you are a male and you did this and then define it as toxic. I mean, we don't do that for anything else. If, if someone came to me and said Iraqis are toxic, I'd be disgustingly offended. If someone came to me and said Jews are toxic, you know, uh, as with my dad's history especially, I'd be extremely offended. We don't define groups by toxicity. We define each other by individuals. We don't place blame on an entire group for the actions of a few. That's actually been the message of you know, that people have been trying to push for decades, and now they're going back and saying, no, 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 we have to look at identity. We have to be obsessed with identity. So the Gillette ad for me was just, a major company coming out and doing this thing. I was like, wow, it's going too far. Uh, and some of the ads I've seen are, are, are terrible toward me. Some of the articles I read from, from different news outlets, I'm shocked that they're willing to put out these narratives. I mean, even, even the CDC, I don't know if you want to get into this in this step, even the CDC did a study. And this, this really bothers me because still today it's perpetuated and it shows you the, the, and it's controversial, but it shows you how deep seated the definitions of these things are distorted by organizations and then used by other organizations to push these narratives. Uh, so they did a, uh, a study in collaboration with uh, a group. Uh, I can't remember the name. It's, it's like NA, it's the National Institute for Sexual Awareness or something like that. And uh, they came back and they said, one in five women are raped. One in 71 men are raped. On the surface, if I were, I, I read that and I was, I was very bothered by it. I, th- I thought, oh my God, one in five women are raped. It, it really scared me. Uh, I have women in my life that I'm, you know, I love more than anything in the world. So I reacted to it. I was like, oh my God, something has to be done about this. I became very passionate. I start researching the, the study. And what I find is that the, they use completely definitions for rape for men and women, for one, in the study. They also used very, very ambiguous language, which was the initial problem. I mean, this study ended up being criticized even by feminists who were honest about reading the study and understanding it. But they used very ambiguous definitions. It didn't have to be uh, physical. You didn't even have to say no. And then it went one step further. It said, if you've ever had sex, for women only, if you've ever had sex while intoxicated or under the influence of alcohol, that counts as rape. So now- That's ridiculous. It's insane. It's insane. Six percent of cases of rape in that study were just were women who said they were intoxicated. And then it goes one step worse. For men, they did not count a man who was coerced into having sex, whether he was drunk, whether he was high, whether he was forced at gunpoint, whatever it is, as rape. The only time a man was raped is if he was penetrated. That was so that's the one in seventy-one statistic. 
the one now they have another statistic, one in 20 something, one in 21, one in 23, where it's a man who was forced to penetrate, not to get graphic, someone else. Then they have the same exact statistic as for women, which is when men have sex when they're intoxicated, which was essentially closer to one in five, one in seven, whatever it is that men who've had sex while drunk, if, if you're going to use that standard as rape for women, then if you use it for men, then men are raped at an almost identical rate as women. So here, here's the problem with the study. It's very, like, and most studies, they're there to push a specific narrative. And most people don't take the time to research these. Most people look for the studies that suit their bias. And it's on both sides. So if I want a study that says, you know, whatever it is, I, I can't think of one that would suit my narrative, but, you know. There's, listen, uh, you can make any study say anything you want if, if you're not being honest. And unfortunately, in today's society, there is a, a, an actual, how can I put it? It's okay to be prejudiced against men. And that's, that's a sad okay. thing. That's a sad thing. But I've had Dr. Warren Farrell on my show. I don't know if you know who he is. He wrote the book, The Boy Crisis. He's the leading thought leader in the world in dealing with the issues that boys face today. And it's a very sobering, sobering set of statistics that he brought to us in our show. I highly encourage you to listen to that episode if if you haven't uh, uh, had a chance to do that yet. And there's no question, you and I were on the same page on this. That's the reason I brought you on the show. I, I frankly believe that it's not cool to put one gender down in order to make another gender feel better about itself. It's not cool for men to do it to women. It's not cool for women to do it to men. And it certainly isn't cool for organizations in society to pull us apart based on our identity, right? You have to hate these people because they're men. You have to hate these people because they're women. You have to hate these people because they're Persian. I'm Persian. I got a Persian background, right? And I left yeah. uh, I left Iran uh, because, you know, after the Islamic revolution, my mom and dad took us out. We're Christians. You know, it was tough for us. And one of the reasons yeah, I'm grateful to be here in Canada and to be in the West is because people didn't look at me as, uh, you know, a member of a religious sect that they looked down upon. Everybody looked at me as an individual and as a human being. And that's what I love about this place. And I think it's important that people like you who get up and uh, stand up to, to, to the bullies, quite frankly, or trying to push a false narrative. And that's why I wanted to give you a voice on our show. And that's important. But I want you to talk about how this took off and, and what had you take such a, a risk to stand out in your business? Because you're not in the, in, in, in the men's razor business or in the shaving business, right? You're in the watch business. So you took a big risk by doing this, and it had a fabulous payoff. You're on my show. I bought a watch from you. I went all over social media, and I said I bought your watch, and I told all my followers to buy, buy your watch. So who knows you know, how much money your company has made as a result of that. And I, I don't know how many other people have decided to buy a watch from you as a result of you running this ad. I want to get into that because that's what's valuable for our listener, right? They're interested in how to authentically be themselves the way you were and have that payoff for them in business. Well, I think something's only going to resonate if it's authentic. I think people can sense if something is just trying to tag on to something, which is why the Gillette ad kind of had uh, like a generally negative response, even beyond the fact that the messaging, in my opinion, was completely off in terms of its direction. They've they've Uh, lost hundreds of thousands of customers, if not millions by now, as a result of this ad. Yes. I mean, they're saying they haven't, but I know they have. Um, I know they have too, brother. I launched something called hashtag switch 10 million men from Gillette and I pushed it pretty hard. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But essentially, so I didn't have much support from anyone on my team. They thought this was a terrible idea. And because the vocal minority here is, you know, even in Canada and the United States is, is that this narrative that Gillette pushed is the right narrative. And that if you go against it, you're going to be ostracized. You're going to, they're going to try and ruin your business. They're going to come after you. And so they were scared. They're like, you know what? You don't need a bunch of organizations and a bunch of people online and, and all this negative attention that you're going to get. Just don't do it. It's not worth it. Like today you don't put out positive messages for men that especially in that way where it's showing statistics, it's showing them as not having this perfect life. And so uh, there was a lot of resistance. I did the video alone in the in my room because I didn't want to be distracted. Everyone told me not to put it out, and I just put it out late at night myself. And I was like, you know what, screw it, I'm, I'm doing it. That kind of risk taker mentality. Uh, I just didn't care. I wanted to put out the message. I kind of enough is enough. 
you know, the, the response happened organically. I didn't spend money promoting it or anything like that. I just put it on, uh, on YouTube. And luckily I think on Reddit, it went crazy and that's what really helped push it. And then that got some conservative speakers to see. I had some senators, governors were retweeting it. Uh, then Fox called and Western journal, Ben Shapiro's publication really put in a lot. It's interesting. All the coverage in the end of the day was, from, you know, not to get political as I'm not, I'm very centrist politically, but none of, none of the left left leaning media wanted to cover it or mention it or anything at all and didn't reach out to me. And in fact, most of them wrote negative articles about the video I made, uh, sadly, like, like Vox wrote some kind of negative article opinion piece and some other, uh, Websites. Well, Vox, um, so. Vox is part of the problem. Sites like Vox are the ones who promote that false narrative. So, I mean, it's almost a badge yeah. of honor to have someone like Vox be against you. But I'm on YouTube right now, and it says that this video has garnered 3.6 million views. And, you know, there's another uh, video here about the CEO that stood up to the Gillette ad, right? And they've got thousands of views for that. And, 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 and like I, I see there's your, there's your actual video. And then there's all these people that have decided to talk about your video. <laughs> and there's thousands of views of people both for and against. So you really created a buzz with this. That's, right? Yeah. I definitely think so. Fox and Friends got a lot, a lot of views, millions, uh, and they played the ad. And then Fox Business aired it, and that got a lot, a lot of uh, that. A lot of people watched that show. Um, it, it definitely got a lot of buzz. I think just because, and it's it's kind of sad that it got a lot of buzz because really, what is it saying? It's saying that men sacrifice. Uh, you know, it's a positive message. It doesn't mention anything negative at all. Not negative about either gender. There's no negativity in that ad. Um, it just it's a says brilliant ad. Yeah, and you know how many people have called me a, a, a rape apologist and uh, this and that and saying, oh, masculinity is toxic and you're just uh, endorsing these uh, and pushing these narratives now. I'm like, my God, I'm like, you can't do anything positive with that. But I ignore them. I mean, I don't really get you into need, the You need to ignore them because you, you know what? Those, those people are only going to feel good if they put someone else, uh, someone else down. One of my mentors said to me, Elon, hurt people hurt people. Yes, absolutely. And you you need to understand these people are hurting themselves, and that's why they're stepping forward. So the the way I'd look at it is Hopa Ona them. You know the Hopa Ona prayer? I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. It's it's a very powerful Hawaiian prayer, and that's what I do with the haters. And I and I encourage you to do the same. <laughs> no, I absolutely agree. And anytime you like, as as said earlier, you could either choose to be negative or choose to be positive. I don't know if I said that earlier, but that's pretty much what my mindset's always been. So I don't. I just try not to get sucked into it. I'm like, okay, you know, there's so many people. Look at the people who love the video, not the people who are uh, who are bothered by it. And there's so many people who needed to hear this message. And it's by the way, I've gotten an equal number of women reaching out as men, which really made me happy because, you know, on some level, as a male, you don't know how how women are going to react, you know, and, and how much support they have for these positive messages. And they have overwhelming support because they have children, they have husbands, they have fathers. They want to see, just like we want to see positive messages for them. 100%. I don't like when a message like, you know, that per perpetuates something for women that is negative for them, in my opinion, at least long-term. So I try and fight against that. So I see a lot of women who want to fight against these messages for men too. Listen, men need women and women need men. It's the way of the world. My better half works with me. She sets up a lot of my podcast interviews. She puts together the events that we do for my company. And I'm going to brag a little bit about her, but honestly, our events, Elon, our events are beyond world-class. They are epic. We're not as big as a Tony Robbins or a Robin Sharma or anyone like that, but I'll put our events up against theirs. And I'd say they're even better. And they're all because of her, because she brings an element of love and beautiful feminine energy to them that I, I, I just wouldn't even know how to do. And, and people come to us and tell us how much they love our events, how much they love her. And because she does such a great job with our events, Elon, I sell a very high ticket program at my events, okay? It's like I sell something that's $40,000 is the lowest price point at my events. And I, and, uh, I also even sell $100,000 price point events. And my 
conversion ratio is between 40 and 100%. And that's all a testament to what an incredible job she does, right? I mean, who sells those kinds of high ticket uh, prices, you know, and gets those kinds of conversions? It's just not done, but that's what happens. She's set three Guinness World Records. And I'm a huge fan of hers and everything she does. And I support her and everything that she wants to accomplish in the world. She's, she's, she's my love. She's my rock. She's, she's, you know, she's, 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 she and my kids, they're my everything, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's really, really powerful for me to see a woman like her succeed and women in general succeed. But that doesn't mean that men shouldn't succeed. Men should succeed as well. Boys should succeed that's, as well. And that's the point I, you're making. And that's why I think your message really powerfully resonated across the world. Yes. I think I think women should be celebrated and men should be celebrated. Fundamentally, that's well what I'm saying. And that doesn't mean that you can't draw out individuals who do bad things. And we can't draw attention to like trends if there are trends. But a lot of the time, these are coming from the vast minority of people. They're not coming in any group. They're not coming from the majority. And so it, why, why would we spend all our time focusing on vilification when we can raise people up? Well said, brother. Well said. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, I've been with, with uh, my girlfriend for almost 12 years now. And the same idea. She's, I, would, I would not be here without her. I mean, so the notion that just because people like us believe in this message that we somehow don't believe in celebrating or lifting up women, and the most imp- important people in my life are women. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're, and, and just like you, I believe that they are capable of anything and you know, and, and that we should be celebrating that just as much. So, you know, I think society just taken a wrong turn somewhere along the way recently. Yeah. Yeah. And, and your, your message was powerful and it resonated and you got a lot of people to watch your uh, video. You got a lot of people that have reached out to you. I want to know what the effect has been on your business. It's been positive. That's for sure. It was after Christmas. So we were already low on inventory, but there was definitely a spike in sales is definitely, I think there's going to be a more long-term kind of spike where people now know the brand as well. And there's a little bit more brand awareness, which always helps. Uh, it also kind of changed for me a little bit, the direction of, uh, some of our next collections. There was, there was a wash I was considering doing before. And luckily enough, this went well enough that I could donate money to the Bob Woodruff foundation and start working with them, which is a, uh, a foundation, uh, military foundation, better foundation, and, and they do wonderful things. And so before all this, I was planning on doing a military style watch and this just helped that uh, and helped cement it and help us get, you know, potentially someone on board who's going to be very, very helpful for it and also really believes in it. And so I guess my mindset was kind of going in that direction anyway, I'd already prototyped. And, and so it's interesting how this video and the narrative in this video got, res- got very much support primarily from that group, This the same kind of people who are are writing in now saying they love the video. Also the same that, you know, very, very much support the military or uh, support the notion that soldiers do sacrifice a lot. So they... As soon as you have it ready, brother, I'll be the first one to order. Awesome. Yeah, so that's that's kind of the direction we're going with one of our new collections. We're still keeping the the same unique, weird designs that I do. uh, (laughs) So they're different looking, but uh, the next one is also, we're also going to release simultaneously a military style. You know what? You you should from time to time uh, put out like limited editions or like custom stuff too, because I think that could be pretty, pretty cool. I'd be really interested in some watches like that. We do, yeah. We have about 50 sold-out limited edition collections that we've made. We just don't do them as often anymore. They sell out pretty quick as you do the limited edition stuff. Uh, it's a bit more work, but we do it quite often. And they've all sold out, the limited ones. Well, you know what? I should talk to you uh, offline if you ever do have anything like that coming up. I would, I'd like to order some for myself, and I'd probably order a, a couple watches to give out to my clients, some of my special clients. I think it'd be, it'd be a lot of fun uh, to uh, get watches like that and hand them to people. Your, your watches are gorgeous. I really love them, and I'm uh, proud to be a supporter of, of Agard watches. You've done something amazing with uh, the video. I, I love how you have just been a man who's pushed forward uh, in his business and uh, takes judicious risks and just makes calls, sends out emails and goes for what he wants. Kudos to you, my friend. I feel like we're uh, brothers from another mother. 
Yeah. No, it's very easy to talk with you. It seems like we're on the same page on on a lot of things, which is nice. And I think there's a lot more people who actually agree with our, our point of view than I realized prior. Brother, there's tons. And, uh, you know, there's organizations that are fighting the good fight to, uh, to help men who are going through tough times. It's good that you're helping military organizations, but there's a ton of organizations that are out there. I'm working with one here in Canada that uh, serves men and boys. One thing I don't know if you knew, in, uh, in Canada, in Ontario, where I live, there are many shelters for battered women, which is, which is necessary and good. But the way the law is written, there's no men that are allowed to go into those uh, shelters as a battered man. And there's no shelters for battered men. So one of the things that I'm very passionate about is to create a shelter for battered men because there are battered men out there. In fact, the statistics show that there's nearly as many battered men as there are battered women out there. And, and, and I never realized this, but I've run into a few in doing this work. And I think it's important for crying out loud to have at least one shelter in a whole province. And a province is like a state that can help men that are battered in these situations. So that's something that, that's near and dear to my heart. And I want to see happen in the province of Ontario. So Premier Doug Ford, if you're listening, this is something worthy of your attention. Uh, it's interesting. Yeah, and I, I, one of the first things I looked at was shelters for battered men uh, to try and support. And in the United States, I could just find one in Texas that allowed men to come. And they still take women. They still advertise this for women, but they take in men. And they got a lot of press for doing that. It was almost impossible. To, and the United States, 335 million people here, massive, massive population. I can't find shelters for battered men. I know the statistics are close and women are more likely to use weapons on men which was surprising. Yeah, well, it's not that surprising because, uh, you know, if a woman feels like she's she's angry and she's not as, you know, physically strong as a man, it makes sense that she'd want some help. And I saw the, the social studies. Did you see those where they put men uh, on a bench and had them attacked by a woman and vice versa? And the kind of social response. Uh, and a lot of people just laughed when they saw a man being choked and smacked and hit by the woman. Yeah. So, I mean, no, 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 no question that that's true. I mean, you know, in, 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 I, I've never raised my hand to a woman, but in past relationships, you know, I'm a big, strong guy. I've had women raise their hand to me. Now they've never hurt me, but certainly they've been angry enough to give me a slap or whatever. Right. And, yes, um, and, 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 you know, I, I've never really come out and talked about it because I didn't consider myself a victim. I still don't consider myself a victim of that situation. But I've been around men who've been victimized, who've been hit with weapons, you know, cut, sliced, shot at, things like that. And listen, uh, it's a horrible thing when anyone gets attacked. And it's important that we recognize and don't ostracize men who are brave enough to step forward and speak about this. And they need a place to go where they can be heard and believed and, uh, and, and frankly made to feel safe as well. I agree. Yeah, entirely. And I, and I agree also, I didn't feel like a victim in that situation either. You know, there are, there are situations where I felt very, very uncomfortable, where I, if the situations were reversed, I'm sure people would have stepped in. Yeah, in those situations, no. But I, I, there were times where there was a drunk girl who, I remember she was hitting on me and I was not interested. And she got very rowdy out of nowhere because I was turning her down. She got very aggressive and was trying to come at me. Luckily, two guys held her back. But in my head, it was very interesting. I didn't know what to do because I, I've been doing martial arts my whole life. I'm very strong. I'm a very good fighter. Black belt Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Muay Thai. Don't mess and with I, Elon. <laughs> yeah, no, my whole life, I've, I've trained people in the military. But I, I, I was frozen. I was like, I can't do it. I, I didn't. I was so worried of the social and, you know, God forbid she was really trying to hurt me. I think I have a mental block person. I could never, I don't think, hit hit a woman. And I think that's just because of the conditioning since I'm a, I'm a kid. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I should not be able to hit anyone. That's the truth. If, we, if in society we had a society where people just couldn't hit each other at all because they just had so much empathy, then we wouldn't have a problem. But uh, it's interesting because even in a case where it could have escalated to her hitting me with a bottle, which I thought might be coming and I was kind of getting ready and I was like thinking how I could do move without hurting her and cover up, I still was worried about her well-being over my own. I've been conditioned since I'm a kid to be that way. I mean, you hear it whenever you're a child, uh, women and children first is the narrative or in a situation where you're going to die. <laughs> you yeah, know, women no, 100%. And Hundred percent. And in my opinion, it's a good thing that to, to be the kind of man who would who would want to protect women and children. I think it's a wonderful thing. But you you also want to want to be somebody who protects himself uh, as well. 
I think it's very, I think it's very noble uh, what you did. You tried to get out of that situation without uh, you getting hurt or she getting hurt. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. I'm not against the idea that men should be providers. Men should be protected. I actually like that. So for me, it's like I don't have a problem with with some gender like the the positive gender stereotypes where I do believe there's masculine energy and feminine energy and that you have you're, you're more naturally inclined to want to do certain things and that there's nothing wrong with that like we can celebrate masculinity we can celebrate femininity and we can say they're different and there is a reason yes that instinctively a male who is bigger and physically stronger does not want to hit a woman so we can we I acknowledge that there is a difference between a man hitting a woman and a woman hitting a man there is physically a difference. It doesn't make it right. And a man should still be able to protect himself. And still. But my point is that we're kind of getting to a place where it's like, we're trying to say everyone has to be perfectly equal. Everyone has to be the same, but we're not. We're not all, all the same. We're fundamentally different. And we have to be able to look at those things and celebrate those things. So yeah, I, I think we absolutely need those shelters for men. We absolutely need all those places for men to go because they because of kind of how we've evolved and that men are bigger and men, we instinctively look at a male and I guess we go, oh, they can't be a victim of a woman. It's impossible. Yeah, unfortunately, I worry that were true, but it's not. One shelter per state or per province is, I think, very reasonable. And uh, I think it's not enough. Yeah, it's I not agree. enough, frankly, but let's start there. Let's at least start there. Because if you got one in a country, in your country, in, in the United States, and right now I'm not even aware of a single shelter that takes men in Canada. At least there's certainly none in my province of Ontario. So let's start with that, and I think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, and awareness I think is very important. Awareness is important too. Awareness is important too. You know, I'm going to make sure that uh, we put uh, a link to your YouTube video in our show notes so that people can watch it if they haven't had a chance to watch it already. And again, I encourage you to listen to my interview with Dr. Warren Farrell. And uh, people should find out about Dr. Farrell and his work because he's done a lot of in-depth research into this. Dr. Farrell's story is pretty unique because he was a a feminist and one of the founders and original members of NOW, the National Organization for Women. And he was challenged to go and delve into the statistics of what's happening to men and boys. And he did that. And to his credit, he did it in a very honest way. And even though he's still a huge supporter of women, he could no longer be a feminist in the same way that he was before. And he's become a real advocate for men and boys. So uh, Dr. Warren Farrell is a man that I love and respect greatly. We had him uh, on the show. And I'll make sure, Elon, that I copy the link to the interview that we did with him and send it to you so you can have a chance to listen to it. Yeah, there's a there's a feminist called Cassie J. Who I know her. I watched inter- her movie. She's great. Yeah, she's quite quite fascinating. Also, yeah, and by I'd the way, love to have her on my show. If if you know her personally, yeah. please make an introduction. I, I know uh, people who work with her. They reached out to me when I did the video. I'll try. Um, I'd so. love to have her on the show. She her her and movies I, her movies pretty amazing <laughs> because she was in yeah, the yeah. same boat as Doctor Farrell <laughs> and 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 she went and she. Um, to her credit, again, she changed some of her he- views based on the reality that she saw before her eyes. Yeah, based on new information. I mean, it's so hard for people to do that nowadays because they don't want information that's new. They want information that suits their narrative. Confirmation she was bias. That's right. Confirmation bias. And that's unfortunately, that's not a way to grow. You know, in this world, the only way to grow is if you're open to information that challenges your long-held beliefs. And that's one of the things we teach inside of our program is the way that you're doing things, the way that you're used to doing things, the mind that created the current level of life or success that you have isn't sufficient to take you to the level of life or success that you want. And I think that's a good way for us to segue into wrapping up this episode because what we do when we wrap up this episode is we ask you as our expert, Elon, to share with us what are your top three expert actions? What are three things that our listener can learn from you if they apply it in their life or business that can take their life or their business or both to the next level? All right. Well, the first one I would say, and a big one for me, and there's a little bit of two parts to this one, is you have to be able to separate success from happiness. So happiness, I'm just going to jump out. Normally I ask people what their definitions of these things are, but I'll give you kind of a baseline that happiness is an internal structure. It's all inside of you. It's your inside world, and it shouldn't be dependent on things that are going on 
around you. You should be able to be happy. You see people who are the most successful people in the world and they're miserable and people who have nothing and they're happy. So set, you have to be able to be happy in life fundamentally and separate it from your success. Because if they're intertwined and they're connected, that does not mean success can't make you happy at some time, but you have to have your own internal structure of happiness foundationally there. That jumps into like what the definition for success would be for me. And success for me would be, and this is, you know, another motivational uh, programs is kind of the, the baseline definition is consistency. It's a very interesting way to define success. So this is point number two. So happiness and success. If someone came to me and said, hey, uh, I want to be a great father. For me, that's success. Or I want to have, you know, a super big business. I'd say the only way you're going to have success is by being consistent every day in what you do. Being a good father isn't an end result. It's a lifetime of work. Having a business isn't an end result. It's a lifetime of work. So being able to look at success and just say it's consistency, it's giving myself specific things to do every day and never missing those things and being consistent and holding myself accountable, you will be successful. Whether that end goal happens exactly as you plan it or not is out of your control. But what you do have control over is your consistency to reach success. So that's point number two. I'd say the third thing, I mean, we talked about taking risks earlier. I'm, I'm a huge risk taker, but I would say the more important part of that is that you have things foundationally there that you did that support any risk or anything you do in the future. So for example, in acting, you'll see an actor come out, become super famous they got a, a part, they were very lucky, and then boom, they disappear within a year. It's because they didn't have the foundation prior to be able to sustain that kind of fame. And you see it with businesses too. If you don't have the foundational tools to sustain the success you get, it's going to fade away. And so it's important to do things every day, again, tied to consistency, but to create things today that, for example, I have a video I made called Legacies. I put it, uh, and it's the story of the brand. I put it online. It was interesting. When I put it on, I didn't push it, promote it or anything. I just had it there. And I knew that it would organically, people would organically find it. And then I did this video, uh, one talking about uh, men, and it had a very, very strong response. And it, a lot of people organically found that video that I had made years ago or two years ago, whenever it was, about the brand, my father, this whole story that I put so much work into but saw no results from it. Because I knew that for the rest of my, my brand's history, this video was a foundational thing. And so we have to look for those things that might not pay off today, but pay off in two years because something draws people back to it. So not everything you're doing is for an immediate payoff. It's a foundation. So that would be point number three. So those are my three points. Separate success from happiness. Be consistent and define, let that be your definition of success. And then do things today that are foundational that don't necessarily have to pay off today but we'll pay off in the future. I love those. Those are fantastic. Listener, Elon Srulovich is the real deal. This is a man who's authentic, who leads from his heart, who cares, and he's got a phenomenal watch company, a phenomenal brand, a phenomenal personal brand. I bought one of his watches. I'm going to buy some more. They're gorgeous, you, you know, but I also believe in what this man stands for and what he's all about. So make sure you go to uh, his website. Elon, what's the website for the watches? Egard, E-G-A-R-D, watches.com. So E-G-A-R-D and then watches.com. We'll make sure we put that in the show notes. So go to egardwatches.com and, you know, order a watch for yourself or, you know, order a watch for someone you care about. And if you believe in this man's message and it resonates with you, you're supporting a man who's got a, a, a company with a great product, but also a man whose heart's in the right place. So go for it and go do that. And so, Elon, our listener is someone who listens to this show because they want to learn from you. And this is the point where I'm going to speak to them for a moment, okay, directly. So, listener... Here at eCircle Academy, we put on this show because we want to bring you great people like Elon to help you really alleviate the pain and the suffering that you're in. And, and let's face it, the reason that you got into business is because you wanted to help people. And the reason I got into business is I want to help people. And you might be a service-based entrepreneur, a small business owner, and you want to be confident and successful at what you do. 
And in order to do that, you want to grow your business. You need to grow your business, but maybe you've been stuck at a plateau. Maybe you don't know how to get off that plateau. And maybe that's making you anxious and question whether you have what it takes. And here's what I have to say to you. I believe that you have what it takes. If you're a good person, you don't have to do this alone. You deserve to have help from someone who's been there and done that and can get you there. And myself and my team, we understand what you're going through because we've gone through it ourselves. We, through a lot of trial and error, managed to figure out a way to get to that next level. And here's what I'm telling you. The studies done show that small business owners, fewer than 1% of them, get to that level where they're making $250,000 a year in profit or income a year, right? And in our program, the majority of our members make at least that much money and beyond. And here's what what I'm here to tell you. I'm here to serve you. I want to help you alleviate the pain and the suffering you're going through by not having your business be at the level that you want it to be. And I've got a three-step success system to do it. Step number one is you schedule a call and you jump on that call with myself or a member of my team. Step number two is you get trained in our incredible methodology and we basically show you how to take your expertise and how to bring that authentic loving part of you out into the marketplace so your message is super clear and people see you for who you really are. And step three, you get to grow your business. So don't wait, schedule your success call now. And the way to do that is to go to our website, eastcircleacademy.com forward slash appointment, or just go to eastcircleacademy.com and click on the button in the top right-hand corner that says schedule your success call. Elon, thank you, brother, for being on the show. Thank you for honoring us by coming on the show. I love who you are. I love what you're all about. And it's been a real honor to have you here, my friend. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's absolutely my pleasure. And that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about today's incredible guest, the one and only Elon Srulovich, go to thethoughtleaderrevolution.com. Go check out the show notes. And if you want to jump on a call with myself or a member of my team, go to eastcircleacademy.com forward slash appointment. Until next time, goodbye.